Max Acado, in his book, Facing Your Giants, tells about a guy named Roger Cadenhead. Now, Roger is a self-described domain hoarder. He buys up domain names on the Internet for anticipating companies or individuals that might want these domain names, and then he sells them for a profit. Uh, back several years ago, in 2005, when Pope Benedict XVI was made Pope, before that happened, he anticipated that and bought up the domain name benedictthe16th.com. Now, somebody else had bought up the domain name popebenedictthe16th.com and sold it on eBay for $16,000. But Catenhead didn't want to make a profit that way. He did want something in return, though. Here's what he asked for. One of those hats that the Pope wears a free stay at the Vatican Hotel, and complete absolution for the third week of March, 1987. <laughs> Matt Cicado says it makes you wonder what he did that week, right? Sounds like a spring break trip to me. But you know, we all have sin in our life that we would like to be forgiven for, don't we? I mean, we've all done things and we just say, why did I do that? I guess I was just young and and not very bright, and I've messed up. Maybe even in our older age, we've done the same thing. We've done things that we need to be forgiven for. Sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves for things we've done. But we have a God that wants to forgive us. I mean, He really does. And we're going to talk about that today. But you know something else God wants us to do? God wants us to be a forgiving people as well. So we're going to think about that today as we continue our series, uh, Deal or No Deal. Now, uh, Tom Ellsworth is a preacher, author, and he traveled to Everett, Washington to see the uh, Boeing jet plant where they build Boeing jets. And he was walking around looking in there, and they had all these jets that were being built. 747s and 777s. And they had a bunch of them in this one section that didn't have the engines on them yet, you know, that hang underneath the wings. And what he discovered is they had these big yellow cement blocks, weights tied to each end of the wings to keep the jets from tipping over. And on the side of these big blocks, they were cement and they were painted yellow. It said 14,000 pounds. And in little letters underneath that, it says, please remove weights before flying jet. Now, you know, a lot of times, before you can really take off, you've got to remove some weight. And forgiveness or unforgiveness can be like a weight that holds us down and won't let us live the life that God wants us to live until we remove those weights. So we continue this series, Deal or No Deal. And we are up to case number three. You know, in the deal or no deal, they have 26 cases. You pick one and you get what's inside unless you make a deal for them to buy that case from you. They go through a process of eliminating cases and then as they go down, you begin to discover how much might be in your case. Might be one penny, might be a million dollars. 
but you can make a deal along the way. They open up this button, and you can push the button and make the deal, or you can say no deal and close the case. We're going to think about some deals through this series that God has made with us. God loves us tremendously, and one of the deals God made with us is that we love Him in return. And last week we talked about the fact that part of loving God means we love His people. And so we love others as well. But today I want to think about dealing with forgiveness. Because that's something that we're all going to have to deal with in this world. Maybe it's, it's uh, forgiving yourself for something you've done. And maybe it's your need for, to feel that God has forgiven you for something you've done. If God can forgive you, which the Bible says He can, don't you think that you ought to be able to forgive yourself? But then there's this idea of forgiving other people. So I want to ask this question today. Why is forgiveness such a big deal with God? I read this week that they've done scientific study on forgiveness. One of the biggest studies that they've done is called Seven Things We Know, 17 Things We Know About Forgiveness. And in this study, they determined that most animals are forgiving in nature. They've done studies on primates like bonobos, uh, uh, monkeys, and mountain gorillas, and chimpanzees. And often after a confrontation with uh, with another one of those primates, they will embrace each other and even kiss each other, showing that they have a forgiving spirit. They've seen this in goats and hyenas. Now, a hyena will laugh at you, but apparently they will also forgive you if you do them wrong. But one animal that they found that never forgives is cats. So... God's telling us, don't be like the cats I created. Have a forgiving spirit. So I want us to study today in the book of, uh, of Colossians. So take out your Bibles, turn to Colossians, page 995. If you didn't bring a Bible or you may want to pull it up on your cell phone, we don't mind you having your cell phone out as long as you're not playing video games on it while the service is going on. This is one of the letters of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul's writing to this church at a town called Colossae. It's located in Asia. It's one of the Roman provinces. Uh, it had, it's modern-day Turkey today. Uh, years before the New Testament times, it had been a thriving town, but now it was sort of diminished in a small trading town uh, and a few people, but there was a church established there. And apparently it was established by a friend of the Apostle Paul named Epaphras. And Epaphras had made a trip to visit Paul to tell him about some trouble in that church. And uh, Paul wrote a letter which Epaphras took back. Uh, being the apostle he was, he wanted to help the church. And he spoke to the, uh, the Colossian people in the letter, uh, to focus on Christ and to strive to overcome some of the sins that were prominent in that day. Maybe that Epaphras had told them that they were dealing with. And also, he, he indicates that they need to get along with each other and they need to be a forgiving church. So listen to what he writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people... 
holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, if you read this, you see he mentions several virtues that they should have, but he sort of singles out this idea of forgiveness. He gives two sentences to the idea of forgiveness, where he just mentions compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. But forgiveness must have been a problem in that church. I want us to sort of break this down and think about what Paul was saying to them. And I want to give you a couple of ideas on forgiveness today. And first of all, I want you to see God is ready and willing to forgive each one of us. Notice there in verse 13, he said, Forgive as God forgave you. As God forgave you. Now, he's writing to the church. These are believers in Jesus Christ. These are people that, um, uh, that are forgiven. You know, not everyone is forgiven. The Bible teaches us that we're only forgiven when we have faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, when we come to believe in Him, and we do what He calls us to do. Uh, we believe Jesus' death on the cross, as we sung earlier, paid the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And then we follow what Acts 2.38 says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. That means to change. It means to change the mind. It means to turn. You're once going away of the world, but now God wants you to turn and go His way. To follow Him. Now, we won't be perfect, but we'll be seeking to follow the way that God wants us to go. And then He says to be baptized. Listen to this scripture that comes out of Romans 6, 3, and 4. It says, Those who are baptized are baptized into His death. We are therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know what he's saying when we're baptized? It's like when we're, we're getting ready to go down, we're making a commitment to Christ, and it's as though we're dying to that old self, and we are being buried in a watery grave with Christ, and then we are raised to this new life, raised to walk in newness, forgiven. And you know why forgiveness is so important to God? Because God is holy. And God can't have fellowship with sinful, unholy people. But that forgiveness that comes by our faith in Jesus makes us holy people too. We're forgiven past, present, and future sins. That forgiveness is important to God. And it comes only by our faith in what Jesus did and through His blood shed on the cross. You know, if you struggle with that idea of forgiveness, maybe you can't forgive yourself, or you don't feel like God has forgiven you, you need to turn to Jesus. Seek out me or one of our elders after church, and we'll be glad to talk with you about that, because God loves you tremendously, and He wants to forgive you of your sins. 
no matter if you had a bad week in 1987, God wants to forgive your sin. But here's the second thing I want you to see. God calls us to forgive also. Look at verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I know that forgiveness for other people is sometimes tough. I mean, it can be some tough situations. But Jesus gave a clear teaching on this back in the book of Matthew, in chapter 18 of Matthew. Listen to what he says here. If your brother or sister sins against you, this is verse 15, Matthew 18, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over, but if they will not listen, take two or three others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, which means you treat them as an unbeliever and you try to help them become a believer. But you hear what Jesus is saying. Go to the person if they've, if they've offended you and try to work it out with them. God wants us to reconcile with people even if they've done something and we need to forgive them. Because of the context of this passage, we'll see. It, it has to do with forgiving other people. Because listen, Peter jumps up and says, Well, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister that sins against me? Seven times? You know, I think Peter's thinking, Look at how, how spiritual I am. Because in his day, the rabbis taught that we need to forgive three times and after that, uh, we, could, uh, we could seek revenge against the person. So Jesus is doubling the three and adding one more to it to make it that, that perfect number, seven. And he's expecting Jesus to pat him on the back. But Jesus says to Peter, No, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, the NIV Bible says, some translations translate it, and I think probably a better translation, 77s, which would be 490. But Jesus is not trying to give us a number to stick to. Seven is that perfect number. What he's trying to say is, you forgive as much as you need to forgive. You keep forgiving people. Now, I know that that sounds strange. It is counter culture because our culture says if somebody does you wrong get even go back at them but that's not what God says and that's not what Jesus taught us and we have to understand some things about forgiveness first of all we need to understand what forgiveness is not you know forgiveness is not excusing a wrong that somebody did to you it's not saying oh it's okay it's not okay if they wronged you, that person is in the wrong. You know, we excuse things when, when people do something. For example, a little kid is, uh, is playing unruly in the grocery store, and, you know, we, we might overlook that, and we might calm them down and get them straightened out. Or uh, we excuse a, a father speeding a little bit when he's trying to rush his wife to the hospital because she's getting ready to have a baby. 
we, we would excuse that. Or a little kid that's running around playing and making noises and is unruly. We might excuse that and tell them to stop. But forgiveness is not excusing what they did. It's actually saying to them, look, this is wrong. And pointing out to them. They may not even know you did them wrong. And so you have to do what Jesus said in Matthew 18. You have to go to them and say, look, I was, I was offended by this thing that happened. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. You know, it doesn't mean we just say, oh, I'm going to wipe that out of our mind. It may have been something that devastated your life. And you may have a hard time forgetting about it. You may remember it for a long time. Jeremiah says that God says he will remember our sins no more. But I believe God is saying, I'm not going to count them against you anymore. It's not like God gets amnesia. Forgiveness is also not reconciling. We may not reconcile with that person as far as, oh, we're going to be best friends now, and we're going to hang out every day. No. They may have done a serious wrong to you, and it may not be comfortable for you to be around that person anymore. But forgiveness is not those things. You know, when God forgives, here's what God does. God pardons your sin. God pardons your sin. He's saying you are no longer held in guilt for what you did. Um, not going to hold it against you any longer. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions. You know how far the east is from the west? If you, if you think about the globe of the earth and you start traveling north, at what point will you be going south? When you get to the North Pole, right? You start going north, you get to the North Pole, and then you'll be traveling south. But if you start going west around the globe, at what point will you be going east? Never. You'll always be going west unless you stop and turn the other way. That's how far God has removed. He will never count your sins against you anymore. You understand? God wants to, wants to take away the sin that's in your life. But you know what? He wants us to do the same for others that have, uh, that have sinned against us. So when I forgive somebody, it's a pardon. I'm saying... I'm not going to hold that sin that you committed against me, against you, any longer. I'm not going to seek revenge. You don't owe me anything. And you're, you're going to work toward eventually trying to store, restore the relationship. Dave lived in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Dave was a softball umpire in the summertime. And one winter, he was driving his vehicle and he got pulled over for driving too fast in the snow i guess that's a thing in boulder colorado they have a lot more snow than we did he didn't think he was going too fast he argued with the police officer but the officer still wrote him a ticket even though they disagreed that he was going too fast and he got this ticket and the officer told him he said if you don't like it then take it to court well that summer Dave was umpiring a softball game. Guess who the first batter 
was to come up. It was a police officer. And they locked eyes and they recognized each other. And as the officer approached home plate to take his first at bat, he looked at Dave and he said, So how'd that work out? Did you take the ticket to court? And Dave said, No, I paid the bill. And you better swing at every pitch because I'm calling everything a strike. That is not the way God wants us to handle forgiveness. Okay? God wants us to work toward restoring relationship. I heard about a lady that was driving a little green car and there was traffic. It was a big city and she darted out in front of this one car causing the man to slam on his brakes. He laid on the horn. The guy behind him almost hit him and the guy, you know, it was almost a disaster. And they finally stopped at a red light and so he got out. He was going to give that lady in that car a good talking to. Well, she saw him in the rearview mirror so she jumped out of her car, she ran back, gave him a big hug, and planted a kiss right on his lips. And he stood there speechless. Now, that'd be nice, you know. She turned around, got back in her car, and all was forgiven. And, but it doesn't always happen that way, does it? You know, sometimes it's difficult. You remember some years ago at, a, at the African... Methodist Episcopal Church down in Charleston a man came into the church and killed several of the church members white supremacists killed several of the African Americans there in that church you know what those church people did they went to court to hear the case and they sat there patiently and finally when it came time for sentencing the judge allowed some of the family and friends of those people who had died to speak to the, wood, to the person that did the killing. And you know what they told him? They told him that they forgave his racism and his hatred and his violence. They didn't say to him, oh, we're going to excuse you, we're going to forget it, we're going to reconcile with you. They just said, we forgive you. And then they invited him to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and to repent and to turn to the Lord to be forgiven because they knew that they too were guilty of sins and they as well needed the Lord's forgiveness. So, forgiveness can be tough. It's not easy. That's why we need to call on the Holy Spirit to help us and we need to pray to our Lord to help us in those times when we need to forgive. Here's the last thing, and maybe the most important. We should not expect forgiveness if we are not willing to forgive. Back in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, he talks about that compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness, patience. They're all mentioned along with that forgiveness. But Paul seems to be singling out the forgiveness that must have been an issue in that church. And he's calling those people to repent of unforgiveness. And he says all these things are characteristics of love. And it's that love that God has for us that we've talked about for the last two weeks. 
If you missed those sermons, they are available online. And you can go back at cccbristol.com and, and watch those sermons. And that love that we talked about, it's not the kind of love that has a mushy feeling. It says, oh, I feel, I feel all this love for you. No, it's a decision we make that we're going to love people the way God loves us. And we're going to reach out to those people. You know, um, God loves us. And so many people want a God that doesn't require anything, just a God that gives everything. But God does require a certain behavior on our part. It's part of the deal of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It requires some effort on our part. And Jesus, in his teaching, where he told, G told Peter, not seven, but seventy-sevens you should forgive, he gives a parable then, where he talks about forgiveness. And this parable, I'll sort of summarize it for you, is about a king who calls his subjects to give an account for the, uh, the debts that they owed. And the king represents God. And he calls this one man in who had an astronomical debt, so much that he could never pay it. And the king says to him, if you can't pay, I'm going to have to put you in debtor's prison. But the man begs him and says, Lord, please forgive. I'll, I'll, I'll pay as I can and, and try to pay you back. And finally the king says, okay, your debt is forgiven. And then that man goes out into the community and finds a guy that owes him a small sum, not even a thousandth, not even a ten thousandth of what that first guy owed the king. And he forces him to pay, but the guy can't pay. And he has him thrown in jail. Well, word gets out in the community. And the people go to the king and say, you know that guy you forgave? Well, that guy didn't forgive another guy that just owed him a little bit. And so the king calls that man back in, and he says to him, I forgave your debt. Shouldn't you have forgiven the debt you owed? And he throws him into jail until he can pay. And then Jesus says this about the parable. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's how God's going to treat us if we're unforgiving people. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. Sometimes it can be very hard. And many of us hold grudges against people. But God tells us that we need to forgive. I want to show you a video today. It's one of our church members. Her name is Kathy Mack. And we've been doing some video testimonies of people in our church this year. And this is one of those. And Kathy talks in her video about forgiveness. I'm known as Kathy Mack, and this is my restoration story. Three years ago, I walked out of a 20-year marriage. When I came out, I was terrified. I was alone. Shortly before I left, I had started going to another church, and there was introduced to a God that I had not met before, a loving God, a forgiving God. And I recommitted my life to the Lord. When I left the relationship, my ex-husband completely shut me out. I left with nothing but 
couple of bags of clothes, my job, a couple quilts that I'd made. And I started completely over again. And my daughter just turned totally against me and I haven't seen her since. But I had already been estranged from my first three children because of this union. It didn't work for the whole family. I was also estranged from my parents and my siblings. A couple of years ago, I called my mom for the first time and she received me with such grace. Just like the prodigal son, she was so thrilled to have me back and didn't care about all the stuff that I had done. And my siblings, many of them received me in the same manner. And so those relationships are improving, but I have yet to restore my relationship with my children. I needed to move into an apartment and I found this wonderful place at a yard sale. God was so good to me. And he led me to ask the question, is, does anybody know of a place available? And right on the corner up from Central, there was a place and I was able to take it and the landlord's been nothing but wonderful. Then about a year after I left and started setting up house and living on my own, I had some troubles and went to the hospital and found out I had stage four endometrial cancer that had metastasized into my brain and lungs. I went through brain surgery the night before I was reading scripture and he gave me a piece and I came through the surgery, no damage. I was up the next day. I was home four days later and I was walking to church a week later. God knew. That cancer was a gift. It was a blessing because what I'd come out of, I needed to know I was important, I was valued, that he loved me and wasn't angry with me, looking to destroy me. And he made that so real through that whole time. I can thank him now. Now that I'm cancer free, I still had to seriously work on forgiveness, bitterness, anger. I realized when I was diagnosed with cancer that all of those things in my life, if I let them remain, I would never heal completely. One of the biggest things I had to learn was to forgive when it's not fair and it's not just. But the Lord kept revealing to me who I had hurt who needed to forgive me, how much he forgave me, and is holding no grudge. He's not rubbing my nose in anything. One of my favorite verses became James 1.5, that if you need knowledge, ask it of God, and he gives it abundantly without finding fault. <laughs> and I needed to know that he wasn't continually finding fault. And it's amazing. When you let go of the, the grudge and wanting revenge, that was all taken away. And I know too now that he will take care of those who are still having a hard time forgiving me. And I understand and I can give them grace and accept their own forgiveness and still pray blessings on them because I've experienced enough to know their pain 
I try to encourage people all the time, whether it's their need to forgive, to be forgiven, be vulnerable, let others know so they can pray for you, so they can encourage you, but seek God's word, seek God himself and his spirit, and he really will minister you to you where you need to be ministered to. You know, Kathy is a testimony of one who has been on all ends of forgiveness. She is, has had to forgive. She has needed to be forgiven by God. And she has needed to be forgiven by other people in her life. And she will freely tell you how God has impacted her life through forgiveness working. You know, Jesus taught us when we pray in the Lord's Prayer to pray, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And in Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if we measure people by unforgiveness, we will be a person that is unforgiven. God calls us to be forgiven and to forgive. And here's our connection point today. Forgiveness is part of how we love others the way God loves us and part of the deal for truly loving God. You know, we all have to come to grips with the sin in our life until you recognize it's not petty. God looks at it as this huge thing and He wants to forgive every one of us, every person on earth, the sins that we have committed. And He's told us how to do that through faith in Jesus Christ. But He wants us to be a forgiving people. And you know what's really true? Is forgiven people forgive because they have experienced forgiveness. It isn't natural. It isn't easy. What's natural to us is to retaliate against somebody when they do us a wrong. But God calls us to forgive. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't protect yourself if somebody's trying to kill you. But we have to learn about this idea of forgiveness. Sometimes we have to do spiritual surgery on our own heart. And that involves praying to God and seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance as we go along. Because you know what can happen if we're unforgiving? We become bitter and we become hurtful and we become hostile and we become no better than the person who did the wrong to us. It can lead to anger. And when that happens, we can't love people the way God wants us to love, the way He loves us. So we may have to do that spiritual surgery. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So we need to work on this forgiveness, and we don't need to let it sit. I love a quote by Joyce Meyer. I know from personal experience how damaging it can be to live with bitterness and unforgiveness. I like to say it's like taking poison and hoping that your enemy will die. It really is harmful to us to live in unforgiveness. 
And it really is. It can prevent you from being the loving person that God wants you to be. There's no easy way to do it. It takes a lot of prayer sometimes. It takes the Holy Spirit working. And we go to the other person and we say, you know what? I was offended. I was hurt. I feel like I was wronged. But I'm no longer going to hold that against you. Are there people you need to contact today? Are there people that you need to forgive? You know, God's sending us a clear message. And He's asking you the question today, deal or no deal? I'd like for my assistant to come and help me for just a minute. This is what God says to us. This is your case today. Forgiven people forgive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love, for your grace, for the mercy that you extend us when we know that we've all fallen short of the mark, that, that we don't reach the expectation that you have for us. And yet you freely often offer us forgiveness through faith in your own Son whom you sent to die in our place. And so it's my prayer today that you help us to be generous in our grace, that you help us to be a forgiving kind of people, that we do when we are offended, go to other people. We seek them out and we try to talk it out and, and we follow Matthew 18 and do what you've told us to do so that we can end up in a place where we honor you through our forgiveness. We pray it all today in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.